We can start this show a million different ways. I want to start it with what needs to be addressed to right at the very beginning. And again, I get it. The Eagles won the game, 34-31. They beat the Commanders. That's what's most important. I understand that. But I want to start this with what the NFL needs to address. And it, it was, I, I hate being that guy. I hate being that person that complains about the officials. But these officials today, this was egregious. This, I have, honestly, I don't believe I've ever seen a more one-sided, poorly officiated football game in the history of football from watching it. I'm not kidding. Like, I'm telling you an investigation needs to be uh, performed on the officials in this game. And I know people will say, you're complaining, you're crying. I'm telling you, if you watched the game in full, you cannot come away from this football game and believe that the referees did not have an agenda. And that agenda was clear and obvious when they called the, believe it or not, off-sides penalty on Landon Dickerson on our first fourth-and-one attempt. Fourth-and-one. We line up. Deron Payne is literally over the football. His helmet is over the football. His hand is under the football. Dickerson is, by the way, in legal position. He is not across from the football. He is behind the football. They call an offsides penalty on Landon Dickerson, right? That tells you this. Whoever calls that penalty is staring down the line to see that they believe Landon Dickerson is offsides, which he wasn't. But you're supposedly seeing that, right? And if you're seeing that, it's because he's right next to Jason Kelsey, it's not possible to not see Deron Payne with his hand under the ball and his helmet over it. That's an agenda. That's an agenda call right there. There is no clearer, obvious um, example of an agenda call in a football game than that right there because a blatant penalty was being performed. If you even want to call the offsides, which it wasn't, you cannot do it without calling the other penalty that was equally, if uh, not equally, I'm sorry, far more egregious than the one there. Then, before that, by the way, on the very first drive of the game, the absolute ticky-tack holding penalty that was called on Zach Cunningham, but it wasn't him, it was actually Nicholas Morrow, um, that extended their drive and gave them four additional points. The James Bradbury pass interference call on a ball that was thrown 15 yards out of bounds, where, by the way, it wasn't even pass interference. And then, to start the second half... The most absolute, it is by, uh, by miles, the worst pass interference I've ever seen called on anybody in the history of pro football. The one that was called on Darius Slay on what was absolutely as perfect of coverage as you could have had. I mean, this is like teaching tape coverage. And they call it pass interference. I'm telling you, they had an agenda in this game because they finished it. Finished it by trying to steal the game from the Eagles with an intentional grounding penalty that has no possibility of making any sense. Just for everybody out there, you know what intentional grounding is? Intentional grounding is when you are going to get sacked and you just heave the ball into a blank area, generally near the sideline, where there's no receiver. And again, it's to prevent a sack. And that's why they uh, they penalize you because the defense won the play. They shouldn't be penalized for it. Fair. Now they call intentional grounding. Yeah, was Jalen Hurts avoiding a sack? Sure, I guess you could say it was. 
But at the same time, it was clear and obvious miscommunication between him and the wide receiver. If that happens, you're allowed to throw the football into a blank area if it's just deemed, hey, that was clearly miscommunication. Have you ever seen somebody ground the ball by just chucking it 40 yards down the middle of the field? No. You know why? Because that would be stupid. Because that's how the ball gets turned over. So, yeah, no, he wasn't intentionally grounding the football. He was taking a shot to A.J. down the field. A.J. cut the route. That's all that happened. And they called that penalty, and it almost took the Eagles out of field goal position to potentially win the game. I'm telling you, there has not been a worse refereed game I, have, I, I can ever recall. I'm not, I'm, I'm not even kidding. I've never seen anything this egregious because it's not like these penalties, hey, bad calls are going to happen. I get it. I understand that but it was one-sided, number one. And number two, it's just the point, though, that these weren't even, like, remote penalties. Like the Slay one, the Bradbury one. Like I told you about the offsides penalty, right? The offsides penalty where literally another player is lined up offside that's a foot away, and you don't call that one? And then the grounding penalty, where anybody with a brainstem knows he's not throwing the ball out of bounds. And I know people are going to come back. Well, how about the McLaurin catching overtime? I mean, what do you want me to tell you? His foot is out of bounds. Yeah, that one still shot from above where it looks like his foot's inbounds. Guess what you can't tell there in that picture, by the way, because it's a two-dimensional photo. You cannot tell that his foot is on the ground at that point. You may think it is, but it is not on the ground because they show a replay of it, and his foot landed on uh, Reed Blankenship's uh, arm. And it caused his foot to just barely go out of bounds. A great catch. Fortunate that Blankenship's arm was underneath him. But that's why that happened. These referees sucked. I swear to you not, they better not be near an Eagles game the rest of the year. And I sincerely hope that Jeffrey Lurie is writing a letter. Not writing. Like, what are we, in the 1950s? I, calling the NFL office and making sure that this officiating crew is far away from the Eagles because I'm telling you this right now, I would not be surprised if they had money on Washington. I would not be surprised if some agenda does come out on what they were doing here because I'm telling you, these penalties made no sense whatsoever and they only had an effect on the Eagles in this game and they were so egregious that the only other understanding you could have is that there was money on the Washington commanders in this game. And hey, guess what? They got their wish. They did cover. They covered the spread. Now, let's go into the football game. Besides the fact that the referees were absolutely trying to sabotage the Philadelphia Eagles, which is a clear and obvious statement at this point, let's go on to the five reasons why the Eagles were able to beat the Washington Commanders and the referees to win the game today in overtime 34-31. to And let's start at number five, and I'm starting with the two linebackers, Nicholas Morrow and Zach Cunningham, who I thought both played incredibly good football games. Nicholas Morrow especially, he had three sacks today. This guy was all over the field. He's awesome. Zach Cunningham is just a tackling freaking machine. These two guys were awesome. You know, of all the injuries, hey, losing N'Kobe Dean I thought was going to be a big deal. Nicholas Morrow has stepped up and then some. For a guy that was cut after the preseason, he was cut. He was a street free agent. The Eagles were able to get him back in week two. Not just get him back, put him in. Remember him and, you know, you heard, is it going to be him or Christian Ellis? And again, that was a battle. And hey, Hand up. I'm one of those guys who wanted Christian Ellis to play. I was so impressed with him last year. He doesn't hold a candle on Nicholas Morrow. Nicholas Morrow is playing at a high, high, high level. And again, I know people are going to sit there and say, what does that mean for Dean? 
doesn't mean anything for Dean. Dean's going to come back and play, guys, just as a heads up. But this is a point now is that you can have a rotation, especially with Cunningham and Morrow, because Morrow is probably more of a coverage linebacker than Cunningham is to begin with. So, you know, you will be able to get uh, Zach Cunningham off the field in obvious passing situations, which, by the way, isn't a bad thing for him as well, because this guy has a motor. He's an unbelievable run defender, and I thought he's been adequate against the pass. For a guy who everybody said was piss poor against it, Zach Cunningham has been fine. And we are stronger at linebacker than I could have ever hoped for this year, because I'm telling you, those two guys especially are playing lights out. That's it for the defense. We're done talking defense because besides that, and I know they had some absolutely, again, almost borderline criminal penalties called against them. They were abysmal. So let's move on. What are the other four reasons why the Eagles were able to win this game today? So let's see here. Hmm. Who do we want to go for? And I'm going to give it to two guys. I'm going to go with DeAndre Swift and Devontae Smith. Both crucial on that last drive of the game to win it. Uh, DeAndre Swift needs to get the ball full, uh, more. Kenny Gainwell needs to not get the ball at all in comparison to it. I get it, and I, and I know that's overblown. But regardless, Kenny Gainwell, no offense, is not even on a level close to as good as DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift has ju like he just has this burst that you can't even coach. He is awesome. This guy is awesome. He is one of the great trades we've ever made. I'm telling you, he stays healthy. He can win Offensive Player of the Year. He's that damn good. He's unbelievable. He really is. He's an incredible football player. We're fortunate to have him. Really, we are. And he's a weapon in the pass game. And again, he could have had about a 70-yard touchdown today. Jalen Hurts, one of his two poor throws of the game, I believe, was this one here. And uh, he had him on a walk-in touchdown. I know they called the penalty. Jalen still makes that throw, and I guarantee if you asked him after the game, he'll tell you he should make that throw. He made up for it about two throws later with an excellent throw to Brown that ended up being a touchdown, but point being, that's what it was. And Devontae Smith. I mean, really, the, the catch at the end of the first half to get three points, I mean, hey, we went to overtime. Every point was needed. That catch was insane how good it was. And then the catch to get us into field goal position. And you know what, hey, give a shout-out to Alameda Zacchaeus. Crucial drop on a second down, but on that third down, on the drive where we scored seven points to go up by seven at the end of the game there, um, Zacchaeus with a crucial third down on a great throw from Hertz. Guy stepped up. Britton Covey was playing a lot of offense today, just a heads up. No Quez Watkins, which is something to keep monitoring. I mean, he was limited in practice this week. My guess is he'll be available next week, but I'm telling you, the offense today, this is as good as they've looked in the passing game all season, and it wasn't even close. And you know what? How about this? We might as well just continue with that because we're going to go to number three, and that's the other wide receiver, A.J. Brown, who had nine catches today, 175 yards, two touchdowns. And I know people are going to get on him for the penalty in the end zone, and that's fair because obviously you can't make penalties when you know, you're trying to win the game there. It ended up being an 11-yard penalty, which I'm assuming did matter at the end of the game there. Now, to be fair, what he did, I don't believe was taunting. Um, he did not put the ball into... Uh, Emmanuel Forbes' lap, he just put it down in front of him. Yeah, you could assume what it was, but I know he was jaw-jacking the whole game, Forbes, and nothing was called on him. You know what I mean? If you're not going to give him a warning, not going to call anything on him, so when he gets it back, he can't just go and get the guy there. And again, it wasn't even egregious. If, if Brown had did something egregious, absolutely understandable, but it really wasn't. I've seen him do a lot worse. 
and, and especially for the high emotion of the play that just happened, it was that, that was terrible. But Brown, nine for one seventy five. Remember, oh, he's quiet. What's going on with AJ Brown? Hundred yards last week against the Buccaneers. Over almost two hundred yards this week. Yeah, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good with AJ Brown. Guy's awesome. He is awesome, man. He is like again. We just talked about great trades with DeAndre Swift. Let's talk about another great trade this team has made. AJ Brown. It's just crazy to think that the Tennessee Titans gave this guy up. Like, he's not 30, by the way. He's 25. They gave him up. They didn't trust his knee. Well, I trust his talent, and his talent tells me he's, um, like I said, he's top five in the NFL, and he's not five. Now, number two, second reason we won. We got to give some credit. We do have to give some credit to a guy that I've been very, you know, negative on, obviously. And, and I, I put my hand up. I understand I have not been his biggest fan. In fact, for the very longest time, I gave him the nickname of Geek. That was his first name. In 2020, he earned that name. And I know people have revisionist history, and I understand that. But let's be fair here. Let's call it what it is. He was terrible. In 2020, I will never forget him missing a 24-yard field goal against the New Orleans Saints. I, I just I cannot recall like I, that's a kick that literally bitty football players make. He missed that kick, and I'll never forget it. And it, it, apparently, it's now become clear and obvious that Cameron Johnston must be the worst holder in the history of holding the football for him especially, because since that moment. Jake Elliott has probably become, he is now absolutely 100% in the conversation as being the best kicker in the NFL. I mean, this guy has been money this season. I know he's missed a couple kicks. He's missed an extra point in New England in the rain. He missed a 55-yarder against uh, Washington, or Washington against Minnesota. But when we've needed him, a 61-yarder at the end of a half, you know what I mean? Like, this one today, a 54-yard kick to win this game. He made four field goals in this game. I mean, really, like, I, what more can I say about Jake Elliott? I mean, you felt it when he got to that 50. Like, we just felt, get him to 50, uh, he's going to make it. And it's crazy because a lot of people credited Aaron Sipos, and rightfully so. But Braden Man today was the holder, and he was exceptional as well. And here's the problem. Braden Man actually stinks, too, as a punter. So, I mean, like, he was awful today. So it's like, that's the scary part here. And I, I am at the point where I'm like, hey, I do not need more holders switching anything because Elliot is, I don't need to try to gain five yards in punting average. And I get it. Trust me. I know it's not that simple. I know that the line drives that Braden Mann's kicking today. Like, he can't pin anybody. It is a big deal, especially against really good teams. You, you got to be clicking on all cylinders. But I, I can't risk Jake Elliott not being an electric kicker. I mean, it just is what it is. Like, this guy's a weapon. Like, he's a he's a flat-out weapon. He's one of the most valuable players on the team this year. And today cemented it with how clutch that kick was. 54 yards, no problem, right down the pipe. Everything is right down the pipe. Hitting a little draw right down the pipe. Draw, by the way, is a right to left. The ball starts a little right, and it curves left. That's what he did all day today. Hats off. Hats off to Jake Elliott. I mean, I wanted him off the team. I mean, I, he was 
he was terrible. He had an uncuttable contract. That's I'm not kidding. Like people think that like oh man, you know, prisoner of the moment. You wanted him. This guy couldn't make kicks from 20 yards. He was horrible, horrible. And I'm guaranteeing you this: he would have been off the team if he didn't have an uncuttable contract. And fortunate for the Eagles, he found out how to throw the football or uh, kick the football again. And if it's the holder, whatever the operation is, whatever work he's been doing with his kicking coach, obviously, hats off, because it's been money. Now, number one reason, uh, number one reason why the Eagles won this football game. He wears number one. He is number one. He's the best player in the NFL. He was on another level today, and that's Jalen Hurts. So much talk about Jalen Hurts is Jalen Hurts. He's just not playing to the level he did last year. Whatever. Blah, blah, blah. He was so good today. It wasn't even funny. I talked about like the swift pass he missed. Sure. He may have made two or three other passes in this game where you're like, I don't think that was the right pass. The throws to Brown, nine for 175. The dime to win the, like the, the touchdown pass to win the game. Even on the third and 17, where we needed to get back in field goal position, the, the throw to Zacchaeus to get us to touch. Like, he just threw dime after dime after dime today. Did he have some misses? Sure. Was it the best game I've ever seen him play? It was not. But does that not mean that he didn't play a special game? This guy threw for 319 yards and two touchdowns today. And that's, by the way, with us barely touching the football in the first half because Washington just kept getting it and going right down the field on long drives. I told everybody he's the best player in the league. Don't be afraid of it. He's the best player in the league. And when he's starting to click, guess what's going to happen? We start to click. Trust me, we had no business winning this game. We played two teams, the commanders and the referees. And our defense didn't show up. Like, you want to talk about this game? We're going to go now into it. Let's just go into the game here because this is why Jalen Hurts had to be, you know, Superman today. Um, our defense line was abysmal. I don't care what anybody says. You can put up these pressure stats, all these stupid things you want to put up there. They sucked today. They were terrible. I don't care about analytics or next-gen stats or any of that bull. They were terrible today. Terrible. We we Again, until the fourth quarter... Late in the fourth quarter, Hassan Reddick had been missing in action. Thankfully, Hassan Reddick started to make an impact very late in the game. And credit to him for that. But Josh Sweat, nothing. Zero. And again, if you're hell-bent on relying on your defensive tackles to sack the quarterback, you're never going to win. Like our three sacks, again, we had three sacks from Nicholas Mora. What does that tell you? What does that tell you, by the way? We had three sacks from Nicholas Morrow. Tells you you blitzed a little bit, right? And it tells you, because we didn't run a lot of blitzes, when we did, they worked. Because your linebacker was, you know, taking the quarterback to the ground with the football. Sounds like you should have kept doing it. Perfect example being this. I swear to you not. I almost went to prison. <laughs> There's five damn seconds left in this game. They're at the 10-yard line, Washington. They have no timeouts. We run a cover zero blitz. Howell instantly throws the ball inaccurately into the dirt. One second still remains. It, it was such a good play that he got the ball off too quick, and obviously they had a, a second left. 
the very so you see how easily that worked. So what does the what do the Eagles do the very next play? Because they they're figuring you know hey we got we can't give them the same look even though for the entirety of this game anytime we heated Sam Howell up and I'm talking brought more than they could block, he looked lost. He really looked lost. We drop in a coverage and play a prevent defense that doesn't even quarter up half the field, by the way, because Josh Job was on an island with a guy who had 10 yards of space to the left of him. When we supposedly have eight guys in the uh, nine guys, I'm sorry, in the end zone to play coverage. They score a touchdown on the next play on the last play of the game for us overtime. It was all game, though. Howell sat in a clean pocket for the most of the game. I know you'll see the sack numbers. They are not really indicative of what this uh, game was because our defensive line sucked. A couple times I could recall them winning. And again, I know you'll say, hey, that's just... The Washington Commanders offensive line is a very strong weakness. That is not a strength of their team. And, and again, I don't know if it's Desai at this point. I don't know if it's if it was Gannon now so much. I just know that um, Nick Sirianni is a coward. He likes cowardly defense. This was a game where the Eagles could have, and I'm telling you this right now, if Jim Johnson was the defensive coordinator in this game and Andy was still the coach, Sam Howell may have not made it through the game. And I don't say that hoping that that would happen or anything. I just know that once they smelled blood, they would have never took their foot off the gas. And we saw that this guy couldn't handle a blitz. They were struggling to handle any blitz that we get brought at them, and we let them off the hook. And I don't know how much of that is of Sean Desai, but I know for a fact Nick Sirianni, is, that's his motto, right? That's his MO. It was pathetic because this game should not have been what it was. We had a lot of opportunities here. It should never have been this close. And I want to give credit, by the way, to James Bradbury in that secondary. I know a lot of guys aren't going to get credit, James Bradbury deserves a ton of credit. Oh, by the way, I missed an egregious penalty also. Um, Terrell Edmonds on the play where Howell on third and long, whatever, was running towards the sidelines and was pushed out. He's trying to get a first down. They called that a 15-yard penalty on Terrell Edmonds. Edmonds could be busted for a lot of things in this game. Specifically, number one, dropping what is by miles the easiest interception I've ever seen an NFL player drop in the history of this league um, in the end zone, which would have been a seven-point swing for the Eagles. You know, like that, that's one. I mean, you could see why he only had, what, one interception with the Steelers. It's clear and obvious. The guy has literally cinder blocks, I guess, for hands. But, I mean, he got called for an absolutely stupid penalty there. It shouldn't have been. But, I mean, look at that secondary. Blankenship's a player. Bradbury is awesome. Going in the slot, I just, I love him. I thought Darius Slay at the beginning of the game, nah, not so, I thought in the second half he played excellent. Excellent. I thought Josh Job played good. It was just their weak coverages that allowed Sam Howell to go up and down the field. Like, give these guys a chance to make plays. To me, it's like you got guys that can cover. Bradbury can cover. Slay can cover. Josh Job can cover. Yet you're playing a defense essentially takes that ability off of them because you're playing this cowardly, soft-minded, scared, literally out-of-your-ass defense. 
that just allows a quarterback to drop back and take anything he wants underneath. And as long as that quarterback doesn't just become an absolute moron with the football, they will move the football down the field. If they're willing to just say, hey, okay, it's it's going to take a little time for us to go down the field. We're not going to get a big play, but we're going to just go down. Yeah, which to me is wild that any quarterback wouldn't just do that. It's easy money. When it doesn't have to be easy money. We have guys that can cover for more than a couple seconds. And we clearly have guys that can rush the quarterback from the linebacker position specifically that we should be employing that more. I'm not sitting here saying blitz every time. But I am sitting here telling you, stop just lining four guys up across the line of scrimmage and showing them nothing at the line of scrimmage. I'm not even asking for a blitz every time. This is like the same repeat of what happened last year. I'm not asking for a blitz every time. I'm asking that you at least show the idea that it could happen. Now, to be fair, Desai is light years more aggressive than Gannon. They're not even in the same stratosphere. It's not even remotely close. And more so to him... Yes, the team that Gannon had last year probably was a little bit more talented because there's not as many injuries, especially in the back end. But at the same time, this guy had blood in the water and you let him off the hook. And it was terrible to watch. It was embarrassing to watch. Other thing that came out of this game was there was an injury. Cam Jurgens, right guard, did not play the whole second half. Suo Peta stepped in. That'll be something to watch. I don't know if that means Tyler Steen will have a shot to play next week because Jurgens had a foot injury. My guess is if he didn't come back out, I, I I don't know. Foot injury could be scary. We have one already with Nicobe Dean. He's on IR with a foot injury. So just something to keep your eyes out for. Because, we, by the way, we don't have a lot of depth at the, uh, you know, on the offensive line. Our backups are Suo Peta. Uh, Jack Driscoll, Tyler Steen, and, you know, Fred Johnson. So it's like, okay. Julian Good-Jones, I mean, like, that. That's this is kind of where we're going to be looking at for guys that could potentially have to come up. Because here's the most important thing about Jurgens being hurt. We don't have a backup center anymore. That's why Good-Jones is the guy to watch in that spot. This was a big win. Obviously, you're 4-0. That's what's most important. I know the win's a win thing, and I know people are going to be, hey, I'm thrilled about the win. Do I, am I happy about how we've played for the first four weeks? No, not at all. NFL's hard, though. That I do know. This is a hard league. Nothing's going to be easy. I'm not sitting here saying it. Hey, we won the Super Bowl, right, in 2017. Giants won two games. They took us to the absolute brink two times. That stuff I get. I could deal with this one more so today because I know that our best players played really damn good, especially on offense. And again, we were playing two teams. The referees were so abysmal in this game. So this one here I do feel better about. I know people are probably going to be scared. Oh my gosh, Washington almost beat you. I, and I get it. Hey, I understand it to an extent. But I'm telling you that this was a much better performance than what's going to look like at the end of it. I mean, our, our coaching staff, I thought, was abysmal. Again, I can't get over the third and 11 run with Kenny Gainwell from the 14-yard line. Kenny Gainwell, by the way. And he fumbled the ball. Luckily, we got it back. 
Speaking of Bradbury forcing a fumble at the goal line on Washington's second touchdown, where they fumbled it into the end zone and scored. After Edmonds should have picked the ball off. But I mean, Kenny Gainwell, God bless, but it's like he started over DeAndre Swift. That's what I'm saying with the coaching staff here. Like they, they have not been good. I think of all of them, Desai's been the best, which is wild to say. Especially because, like, I, I just wanted, I, I wish I can get the truth and ask him, hey, Sean, did you want to blitz more today? Because to me, it looked like you wanted to start blitzing the quarterback a lot. So I'd love to ask him, were, were you being told otherwise by our, our, uh, our coach who has just seemingly become one of the biggest cowards I've ever seen in regards to defensive football? Again, most important thing for now. And that and truthfully, it is all that matters. Your record matters. This isn't college football. You know, you're not trying to win with style points here. You know, but like Sirianni, he did some st- like again, there was a play in the what was it? When Washington made it a 24-24 game. It was third and six. Or a fourth and one. Or a third and one, I'm so sorry. We stuffed him on third and one. It would have been a fourth and longer one. And he accepted a formation penalty and made it third and six. Which I hate it. I just thought he made a lot of dumb, 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 dumb decisions. We'll be back, though. Thursday... Talk about the league, obviously. A lot of things happen in the NFL. We're down to two unbeaten teams, us in San Francisco. Go figure. But to put a bow on this one, a 34-31 victory over two teams today. Let's do freaking geek of the week, and I have not honestly thought about this at all. I think freak of the week, you have to give it to A.J. Brown. I mean, nine catches, 175, two touchdowns. I think you'd be Nicholas Morrow could be in that conversation as well, but we'll go AJ Brown as the freak of the week. And this isn't even up for debate. I I can't even give it to an Eagle. If I would, it would be Nick Sirianni for being a coward, but I will give it to obviously the referees were the geeks of the week. I mean, they were so unfreaking believably bad. I can't even put it in. Like again, I'm glad I waited to do this show. I waited a couple hours because I'm telling you this. It just would not have been... It just would not have been a good representation of myself to talk about what I thought about these absolutely just abysmal referees. I'm telling you, and if an investigation is not done here, that then I, I, I have no answers. But if you ever wanted to say, hey, are, are the referees trying to fix outcomes of games? If you're one of those people who believes the NFL's fixed, this was an example of where you could point at and go, come on. Come on. And you know what I'd have to say to you? Hand up. You might be right. Because this was, this needs to be investigated. It really, it seriously needs to be investigated. We'll be back Thursday, like I said. 
preview the Rams game, which, by the way, is not the cakewalk that everybody thought maybe it would be at the beginning of the season. They're actually pretty good, the Rams. Um, it's in Los Angeles, our favorite spot to play. So it's going to be a big travel week for the Eagles here. And we'll be back to hopefully talk about a bunch of injuries and what's going on and who's potentially going to play. Are we going to get Sidney Brown back, Justin Evans, you know, what's going on with Quez Watkins, Cam Jurgens? You know, that those were the injuries. Who's playing right guard if Jurgens is out? Is it going to be Opeta? Who's the backup center? Lots and lots to talk about. I want everybody out there to stay safe, stay healthy, stay educated, and as always, go Eagles. Go.